Hello, and welcome back to the Rebuild SoCal Zone. My name is Marcy Stanage, and I'm going to be your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to continue with our mini-series focused on California's water crisis. Our guest for this week's episode is Devin Upadia, Chief Operating Officer and Assistant General Manager at Metropolitan Water District. Welcome to the podcast, Devin. Marcy, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to speak to you, and we know you're a busy man, especially right now, so let's just jump right in. Sounds great. All right. So, Devin, in the first episode of our mini-series, we spoke to Carla Nemeth, who, as you know, is the director of the California Department of Water Resources, and we talked about the seriousness of the drought that California is currently facing. She gave us some critical insight as to why California is in this dire situation. We'd like to know what your thoughts are on where California might be headed if we don't all do our part to conserve the resources that we have left. Sure. Marcy, you started with a, a great individual and in that Carla really sees everything that's going on in the state in her role at the Department of Water Resources. And um, I'll probably echo many of the things that, that Carla brought to this conversation. But I, I think at the outset, what we're seeing really is a combination of effects of climate change um, on the water picture within the state but then extending that to other watersheds that the state and particularly Southern California really benefit from. And there I'm referring to the Colorado River, which while is a, a different watershed that's outside the state of California, it feeds um, much of Southern California, the urban area in the Metropolitan Water District service area that, that serves roughly 20 million people, but also much of the agricultural land that is along the Colorado River is affected by similar things that are also driving changes for the Sierras and the snowpack within California. So the big impact that we're seeing, wider swings in terms of hydrology, uh, where we've got very wet conditions followed by prolonged, uh, extremely dry conditions, and a fundamental change in loss of the biggest reservoir that the state has, which is the storage benefit that we all get from snowpack. And even in years where there may be a fair amount of precipitation, um, it's changing. So it isn't falling as snowpack that then gets stored in the mountains and then is released into streams and to lakes and then the streams and rivers and then the reservoirs along those systems over time through the spring and into the summer. But instead, when precipitation is occurring, it is warmer, it's not falling as snow, and it's running off immediately, which means that you aren't getting the benefit of that big storage system that naturally has been occurring for so long uh, up in the mountains. And that's causing uh, stress on these systems that then deliver the water supplies um, throughout the state. Um, th that stress is coming in the sense that it's resulting in a difficulty to capture those supplies when they're available because it's all flowing at once as opposed to being spread out over many months of the year. Um, stresses on the reservoirs because since you can't capture the water 
um, because it's coming in large pulse flows, the reservoir levels are lower as a result of that. And then we're having to manage with the reduced supply effect that that has. So these are some of the stresses that we're seeing. And uh, I don't view them as um, you know short-term drought impacts. I view these as uh, really what we should expect to see more of in the natural hydrologic cycle that we face as water managers. And then that leads to to long-term changes that we have to make. Right. That's a lot of um, very scary, but very real stresses that you talked about. And I think that that is something that we are all starting to really take more seriously as we read more articles and we listen to more newscasts. It's a real thing. The drought is real and it's something that we all need to work on together. So let's talk a little bit about water reuse or more commonly known as water recycling. I think it's important to talk about the benefits of the water recycling. So let's talk about Metropolitan's Regional Recycled Water Project. And what benefits will this project do for all of the communities that rely on the water from the state water project? Sure. So our uh, original recycled water program, that's the history behind the name. Uh, That's the right name that, that we've used in the past. But I want you to know that we have just gone through a new branding process. And so going forward, you will uh, hear us refer to this as pure uh, water, Southern California. And we uh, are going to be starting the environmental work and the the formal notice of starting that environmental work should go out uh, in the August, September timeframe. And that's the name that we'll be using for this. But it is what will ultimately be the largest water purification facility in um, the United States. And it's basically taking wastewater that uh, currently is treated and then flows out to the ocean with our partner, which is Los Angeles County Sanitation District. And it will be converting uh, that water through uh, an intense purification process into new supply that will be available uh, for some industrial use, Uh, the largest piece will be available for groundwater replenishment uh, to a series of groundwater basins here in Southern California that need a sustainable uh, source of replenishment supply. And then ultimately that water will make it all the way to the headworks of likely two of our current water treatment facilities. And, And when that water gets there, it will mix with surface supplies from the state water project and from the Colorado river. It will go through a traditional treatment process again at those treatment plants, and it will go out into the treated drinking water system throughout much of Southern California. So that's the grand vision, if you will. And uh, it is really uh, leveraging potable reuse to create a a much more sustainable, large-scale supply here for Southern California. And to give you a sense, this is enough supply for about a half a million households in Southern California. So it kind of gives you a sense of the scale that we're, we're talking about. But it really is the wave of the future in terms of, of new supply development. And it is part of a strategy. And your question was about, you know, how does it benefit uh, those that rely on the state water project? It, it's part of a strategy to reduce the need for water that is imported from hundreds of miles away into the Southern California region and rather trying to shift 
to relying more on supplies that are able to be developed here within the region. An important component of that strategy, along with other investments we'll be making and, and have been making for years to, to try to make that happen. Well, those are some really great efforts that Metropolitan has been taking on. And I know that Rebuild has been a partner with MWD in letter writing campaigns and phone calls. Um, this is such an important decision, I think, that our legislators need to start getting serious about is getting us this extra money, this $552 million, and start building what we need to help combat this, this drought condition. You know, I think that we need to look at it as, you know, this isn't just a one-time thing. We really need to look at it as doing a little bit more in the, for the long term. We need to produce more reliable local sources of water, and that's what you're doing or that's what you're actually trying to do with the Pure Water Southern California program. So we applaud you for that. Oh, well, thank you for that. And it is a long-term uh, campaign that, that we're on. We've got many partners in this, uh, along with you, helping to build the, the message and the understanding for why this is so important. We've got a large group of agencies that we're working with here in Southern California. And it runs the range from ensuring that we're permitting a project of this size and scale in a way that is going to protect public health. will be, quite frankly, a quality of water supply that is better than what people would traditionally get from their surface supplies. So that's a piece of it. Then we're working with agencies that are partnering with us to produce this purified water, to take the wastewater, to treat it, to produce it. And then on top of that, we're working with folks on new distribution systems and conveyance systems to move the water around Southern California. And that's a key piece of the puzzle to make Southern California and specifically the areas that depend on the state water project more reliable is to develop some of these interconnections that will allow us to move supplies around. So when you mentioned earlier the request for funding assistance that we have in with the state of California, that funding assistance isn't just about producing the water, but it's also about developing some of these interconnections so that different cities and water districts will have access to the supply, which is equally important. Uh, if you develop the supply, but you can't move it to where it needs to go, then you'll only get halfway there. Right, exactly. So, you know, when we talk about recycled water, this generates all sorts of different opinions from different people. How do you think that we should address individuals that say drinking recycled water is unsafe? I'm sure you must get that quite often when you talk about recycling or reusing water. Well, you're absolutely right. In my role at the Metropolitan Water District, I've been fortunate enough to take on uh, positions on the board of the California Water Reuse Association and the National Water Reuse Association. And this question that you've asked about the acceptability, the public acceptance, the public understanding of the value of water reuse and um, the safety of water reuse is front and center for us. It's something that we've been dealing with uh, for years. And I'm very happy to say 
that a lot of headway has been made uh, in this regard. But sometimes because of the stresses that we're all feeling, uh, that headway was made because the attention that's been paid to the drought and the focus in different parts of the nation on uh, how drought affects reliability has caused people to look at different sources as the new frontier for ensuring that you can be reliable. And recycled water is what a lot of different areas have focused on. And we've seen an increasing level of public understanding and acceptance that recycled water is not only safe, but it makes sense in terms of a, building a portfolio that ensures that future drought cycles won't require significant extreme measures to get through, kind of like we're experiencing now. So the drought sequences have built support, but we were not, you know, taking that for granted. And so uh, part of the the campaign we've been on with Pure Water Southern California has been developing a demonstration center in the city of Carson with our partners, uh, LA County Sanitation District, that demonstrates all the different treatment technologies that are used to purify this, this water source. So people can go take tours at this facility, uh, can experience what it looks like, can see it and feel it, you know, firsthand, all of the work that's been done to move from wastewater to what they see coming out of the end of this treatment cycle is incredibly pure water supply that is in fact so pure that we actually have to, to add minerals back into that water and they'll see that and and be able to experience it. So that's part of what we've done with that demonstration center. And then we're partnering with the various agencies I had mentioned to continue to get the word out. So it's a, a very, very important piece uh, of the puzzle of making sure that people are comfortable with this. One other thing that I would add, uh, Marcy, is that anybody that, that questions whether recycled water is currently uh, out there and is safe, um, all you have to do is look at things like the Colorado River or the Sacramento and San Joaquin River to realize that we are already drinking recycled water. We are downstream uh, on those river systems from wastewater treatment facilities that are treating wastewater and putting it into those river systems. We're downstream and then it becomes the intake into some of these big projects, the State Water Project and the Colorado River Aqueduct that move water in to our current treatment facilities. So it's already happening. What we're doing is building a facility that um, under uh, the treatment train that we will have in place will be, quite frankly, even higher purity than those current supplies. So we're very, very confident and uh, working with, with folks, with educators, um, with many different institutions to get that word out. Well, you mentioned the tour and I had the pleasure along with um, some of the other members of our board and our staff, we got to go out and take a tour of the facility. And I have to say it is one very impressive program that you guys are, are working on out there. And it really did give us a better understanding of the process. And I think you're right. People do need to come out and see it for themselves and just really understand that, yeah, what, what you guys are doing is definitely safe and there's nothing wrong with drinking the recycled or reused water. So 
I appreciate your comments there and would also mention that we have some great tools online on our MWDH2O website. For folks that can't actually make it down to the facility and participate in an in-person tour, where people can look at that facility, the Advanced Water Purification um, Center, and and learn about it from their own homes and from their own computers if they want to watch videos and learn a little bit about it there. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, Devin, recently the board of directors for MWD had to really take actually what I would call a courageous step, and they had to implement some mandatory conservation measures to the worsening of the drought conditions. And so there's over 23 million people who live in Southern California alone. What do you say to individuals who say, well, my efforts to conserve our water supply aren't going to make a difference in the scheme of things? What do you say to people that make uh, different comments like that, that maybe their individual efforts aren't really going to make a difference? Well, I can really understand where where folks might be coming from with a question like that. The fact is that not everybody is thinking about their own water use in their business or home every day. Um, it's not front and center for them. But but for us, it is. It's what we do at the Metropolitan Water District and, and all our partner agencies. We're thinking about this all the time. And the fact is that the cumulative impact of our individual efforts can be quite grand and can have a dramatic positive impact. And one thing that I would speak to is that Southern California already has a rich history of investing uh, individually and at an agency level in efficiency. And all of us focusing on um, moving our shower heads to more conservation-focused shower heads, toilets, high-efficiency clothes washers. And now, obviously, we're thinking um, quite a bit about the ways to make more headway outdoors with our landscaping and moving to drought-tolerant landscaping. And what we do is we report to the California State Legislature every year on the gains that have been made in Southern California in becoming more efficient. And we share that information in this report. We issue it in uh, right around February each year. But the information we share also shows the total water that is saved by these cumulative actions. And I would tell you that if you look at Metropolitan's Colorado River Aqueduct and the water that is flowing through that aqueduct system into Southern California, that the amount of water saved by the individual actions of businesses and people making these investments to change out their devices, to become more efficient, is equivalent to a second Colorado River aqueduct coming into Southern California. That's how much water is saved every year because we're more efficient than we used to be. I believe that is a dramatic improvement in our reliability as a result of these cumulative actions by individuals throughout Southern California. And it really speaks to the gains we've already made. And I believe that continuing to focus in that area, along with things like what we just talked about, the the purification center, these additional investments are very important, but it has to be coupled with us looking at our own water use and finding ways to become more efficient going forward. We've already made such wonderful gains, but it, it shows you that the individual 
actions that we each take, when you sum them up across 20 million people, 23 million people, and all of these businesses, it has a dramatic positive influence. Thank you for that, Devin. That's a really great response and definitely something that we need to all pass along to people that um, that ask those questions. You know, I read somewhere and I just was thinking about that when you were just talking about different steps that you can take to conserve the water. I read somewhere that in the United States that drought is the second most costly form of natural disaster right behind hurricanes and that it can be an average toll of $9.6 billion in damage or loss per event. And that to me was mind boggling when I read that. Yeah, it really is quite dramatic. And it's, it's silent to some degree in the sense that it can be slow moving, it develops over a period of time. And our reaction or response to drought um, is similar in that it, it builds as the severity of the condition changes, which I think is appropriate. But one of the challenges uh, as a result of that is getting a public response can be incredibly difficult. We as agencies obviously have to make the investments, make the cases as we make those investments for why rates have to change and, and, and costs may go up a little bit. But in times like this, getting this public response that's necessary to get people to focus on it, you're competing with the challenges that we're seeing in the Ukraine, the inflationary pressures that everybody's experiencing, and the, you know, the fact that the Federal Reserve just took a pretty significant action today. We are competing against those other messages that everybody is seeing out there. And I just very much appreciate being able to work with organizations like yours to be able to get this message out so that people hear it, understand it, and know that their individual actions are really contributing to being part of a much larger solution for the region. Well, thank you, Devin. And we really appreciate being able to work with Metropolitan and yourself, along with Dee and Rupam and Charles. You're all just a great, great organization of people to partner with. So again, I want to thank you. I think that was all great feedback and I appreciate your being with us today. Do you have anything else that you would like to add or any other comments you'd like to make before we close? Oh, Marcy, it's been a great pleasure and very much appreciate being able to spend some time with you today. Great. Thank you so much, Devin. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you and take care. You too. Bye-bye. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Take care and please do your part to conserve our precious resources.